lost the band. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. You may be seated, so man. Uh, what, hey, if all else fails, if all else fails, you got me on, Abram. Uh, if all else fails, let's just preach. All right. So we're gonna share it with you guys. Bring the lights back up, uh, chat, or, um, um, and and we'll get it going, James. And so. All right, um, this, yeah, there we go. We've got lights in the house. So there we go, there we go. All right, so at least we got the lights are on. So uh, they just tell me, I don't know what it means, but their motherboard and the fatherboard aren't getting along, and so, uh, so, so, so somebody crashed, and, uh, and so uh, uh, make sure you tie this week because apparently we're going to have to be buying a whole new system back there. So, uh, Well, welcome to Connect Church on the first Sunday of the year. Uh, I've been doing this 30-something-odd years, and I've never had this, so this is my first time to uh, ever uh, have this much fun in uh, and uh, if you know uh, personalities like mine and Tanner and Andrew, uh, we're literally going nuts right now. But uh, we're going to keep it together and we're going to share with you. Uh, and it's so uh, ironic twist that God has this message that, uh, you know, that I, I know what I'm sharing with you guys. And uh, I see what he's trying to do now. So thank you guys for being here. Uh, you guys have been awesome during the holidays. Uh, last week, uh, Christmas service was such a blowout, just a tremendous uh, outpouring of the spirit. And thank you guys for being obedient to be here to be a part of that. And so uh, we're going to do our best to uh, keep going, and uh, even if sound, I'll yell. Uh, so um, anyway, uh, here we are this morning, and, um, and I hope you're ready for a new year. I hope it's going to launch better than what it is today. Uh, so I'm glad that we moved our sermon series to next week. But we're going to be talking to you uh, uh, over the next month in January, uh, and, in, uh, and it really is going to be cool. And we believe we fasted and prayed over this, staff hiring, all the things, the budget, everything you guys have already uh, have approved and looking at, and we're going to share with you what that looks like uh, in the next four weeks as well, the vision for 23, uh, so we can get you guys really just added to the prayers of our leadership and all these things, but we're going to talk to you guys about your personal life. So the sermon series coming up is called Shaping Your Future Self, and what we've put a little dash in there is developing holy habits. And if you're like me, uh, this is a good time of the year. We've gotten sort of out of whack with different things. And so in those four sermons, I'm going to share with you practical things about developing the holy habits in your life that's going to help you have a better year. So you be praying for that. I'm excited about pre preparation for that as well. But today, here we are in the first Sunday of the year, and I want to talk to you guys about scary movies. Uh, what, what I really intended to say, that's in my, you know, my manuscript outline here, but... Uh, what has really turned out to be scary is this service. Uh, but anyway, uh, so uh, Tanner just came up to me and he just said, all I know is the devil is in everything. Uh, the band just shut down everything, so you go do whatever you can do. So we, so, but I want to talk to you about scary movies, and we're going to get back on track here. So y'all do your best to just listen, and I'm going to try to stay focused as well, which for an ADD guy is going to be really uh, a monumental challenge. But uh, I want you to know, uh, I'm not a big scary, Blend and I are not big scary movie fans. So uh, I've never gotten into the whole Halloween. Uh, how many times has Jason come back from the dead? Y'all have killed him, you've stabbed him, you've buried him, you've sent him to Mars, and the dude just keeps coming back. Uh, so I'm just not into the Halloween movies. Uh, Walking Dead, uh, I know there's a bunch of y'all Walking Dead movie fans and all that. Never watched one, have no desire to watch a bunch of zombies walking around. I pastor a church with you guys. 
See what, see what I did there? So, yeah, I get enough zombies on Sunday morning. Okay, so, uh, yeah, all right. Anyway, and uh, so I don't need any more of that in my life. And then the two all-time scary movie series of all time, Blinn and I are not into that, Sharknado and the Christmas Hallmark series. All right, so anyway, so you guys know how I feel about those, the two all-time scary movie uh, series of all the time. Uh, well, uh, w- the reason that Blynn and I really, uh, the main reason that we don't watch scary movies is Blynn hates them, and so, um, and so I don't want to make her uh, unhappy. Uh, so we don't uh, watch those, but you got to give her a fair shake, and I think you will all agree on this. Uh, I don't make Blynn watch scary movies because she has enough hard time living with me. And so you guys get that what she has to go through on a daily basis in her life. She doesn't need any more frightening. So we watch funny stuff. So we, that's where I get all my great jokes and humor. Uh, we like to watch, uh, you know, those kind of things. But this time of year, uh, you guys have already, not only whether you like scary movies or not, you're never going to be able to stop the fact that you're going to have scary moments in your life. And the truth is, y'all just came through that in this part of the season uh, that you walked through. I guarantee you, during Christmas, if you have, and we've got all these young couples and us grandparents with all these grandbabies, uh, that you had moments where all, with all the Christmas presents and all the things that were going on, if you have an Owen Pierce in your life, he was playing with an electrical outlet. All the stuff that was going on, they're going to find the kind of scary stuff. How many of your kids were running with the scissors uh, while they were trying to open up presents? Scary moments in your kid's life. And then the favorite one is watching your, the little kids on the motorized power wheels um, thing that you got them that you spent all that money on. And what did they use it for? To drive and run over their sister with. Uh, and so they just have those scary moments that happen with kids in your life. So whether you like scary movies or scary things, it's going to happen because it's just part uh, of the life that we live in. And so sometimes we need a safe place. Now this morning, me and Tanner and Andrew are going to try to find our safe place right after this service. Uh, and so it's going to be interesting staff meeting this week. But all of us are going to have life. I hope this is not character, char- it, I hope this is not the outline of what 2023 is going to be like, but uh, starting off here this, uh, this year, but we need a safe place to run to. When our kids were growing up, our youngest son, Adam, he was the best at it. The other two griped and whined about him, but uh, they called him Sir Climbs a lot. But anyway, Adam was the most, still is the most loving of our three boys. And so uh, anytime anything was upsetting and Adam's laid back, Adam would crawl up in our lap. And it was still the coolest moment. And so this, you know, little boy crawl up in our lap and it was like his safe place. He loved to just sit on mommy and daddy's lap and watch TV or do whatever. It was his safe place. And then uh, you add into that, um, you know, and (laughs) I wasn't going to do this. We're going to do this. So you need to know this morning, do you know where Belen's safe place is? Belen loves to snuggle up to me, and she'll get really close and just snuggle up to me, and she looks up at me and says, this is my happiest place in the whole world. Now, how many of you just threw up in your mouth? All right, so anyway, so I just, uh, you talk about scary movies, you're just like, I need a safe place. Some of y'all want to run to a safe place right now, don't you? Uh, Well, uh, we all need that safe place in our life. And when you get overwhelmed, when you're afraid and, and you don't know where to turn to, so let me ask you this morning, 
where is your safe place? Where is your safe place? I want to help you find that safe place to run to. As a matter of fact, that is the title of my sermon today. Turn your Bibles to the book of Psalms 34.8. And I don't care what the devil is trying to cause chaos this morning. He cannot overcome the blood of the Lamb and the Word. Amen. And so we're going to bring it. And so here we are this morning in God's Word talking to us how to deal with the chaos in our life or crazy services, whatever's going on. And we're going to help you find that safe place. I love the book of Psalms. It's one of my favorite uh, books of the Bible, and we're going to be in Psalms 34, which one is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. Now, let me give you a little bit of background to understand as you read through the book of Psalms. The, uh, this particular book is unique to all the other books of literature in the Bible. It is a diverse collection of relationships between man and God. The various authors, there's not just one author, but various authors wrote the book of Psalms. And in every one of them, they're relating their souls to God. And they give him his, their questions, and God answers them. And so if you want to know how to love God, if you want to know what it's like to fail God and still be loved by God, then you want to spend some quality time reading through the book of Psalms. On this particular occasion is a fascinating uh, backdrop to the story. And this is why you get your backsides to church because this is where we learn more so we can do our daily devotions. So what happens in Psalms 34, uh, the, the backdrop to it is simply this. David has killed a giant. Yeah, it's a true story. Anybody know the giant's name? All right, oh, we got it. And so this giant by the name of Goliath is over nine feet tall. Depending on your scholarship that you read, he's about nine six. I promise you this. You Ole Miss and Mississippi State fans, you could definitely, Brandon, they could use Goliath in the paint. Uh, he had great post moves, uh, unless you were carrying a sword. Uh, but anyway, or slingshot. But anyway, uh, so Goliath, he couldn't dodge the rock. Uh, so uh, we have, <laughs> you get it? Okay. Uh, and so we have David has, uh, has killed Goliath. And so now his fame has went throughout all the region. And not only is his fame went out through all the region, God has said, I'm going to make you the new king over Israel. Now that sounds pretty cool. His 23, starting off better than ours, but his 23 is starting off really good, but it tanks just as fast, Hector. All of a sudden, King Saul, who's the current king, doesn't get the memo from God. Well, he gets it, but he decides to reject it. So Saul determines, I'm not giving up my kingship. So Saul tries to kill David. So here's how David's 23 goes. For the next year, God has told him, get this now, and I want you to all to get, God has told David, he just killed Goliath. He's just had the greatest victory. All of Israel is praising David. I mean, you don't get any higher than this. And now Saul says, I'm taking you down. So he spends the next year, he spends the next year of his life knowing that God told him he was going to be king, but nothing happens. Not only does nothing happen on the promised side, his life is just tanked. I mean, he literally has a group of guys, they're on the run, hiding out in caves, and he's thinking the whole time for a year, where's God? 
why hasn't God showed up in my life? And so this morning, I hope you can sort of understand and relate a little bit to David. Are there times in your life where you know God's promised to bless you and things were going so well, but then all of a sudden it just tanked? And I know some of you all feel that way. I have recently was doing some counseling uh, with a family, and uh, this particular lady, she says, I've had a bad week. And, uh, and this could be mimicked 14 times with you guys. And she said, I recently, uh, and I was, as I was recently speaking with her, she goes, I feel like I'm drowning. Everything in our life and our marriage that we knew was solid has turned to quicksand. Everything that we were counting on in our life, Christmas, our jobs, all of it has just fallen apart in just this week. And she says, I'm overwhelmed. And then my job was to remind her that God is your refuge. You run to God in your safe place when all the other things are crumbling around you. This is why we read our Bibles. This is why we come to church, that we're reminded that this book has the answers to all of the mess and catastrophes that are going on in our lives. So we come here to find out where is this safe place that God wants me to run to. So again, let me give you a little bit deeper and then we'll read the text this morning. So David is running from Saul's bullies and henchmen. And he's got, he's hiding out in caves for almost a year. None of the things that God has promised has come to fruition. And so let me ask you a tough question. You ready? How long does it take? How long does it take for you to quit believing in God? Does it take a bad day for you to, I'll tell you what, Brother Terry yells and screams about God loves me. Man, that ain't happening in my life. My husband's a jerk. Kids are chaotic. We can't even get words on the screen. Uh, what does it take for you to have a, uh, is it a bad day and you're ready to throw in the towel? Is it a bad week? Man, if 23 starts like this, good gravy. 22 is bad enough. Are you kidding me? Does it take a bad week? Does it take a bad month? Man, you know what? I went to church twice this month. That's once more than I normally do. And man, my life didn't turn out any better. I ain't going back. He's an idiot. Whatever he says don't work for me. What does it take for you to lose faith in God? What about a bad year? 21? Car wreck? Heart surgery? Spinal fusion? Um, I'm hoping that year never comes back. That was enough. It almost killed me. What was it Jonathan Burke kept telling me? He said, dude, you just won't die. Uh, and I go, oh, man, I get it. Uh, and so, so what, what does it take for you to give up on God? How long? And, and what we're learning this morning is that David found a safe place. He goes, before he does it, though, David relates to a lot of us. So here's the Baptist David. The Baptist David goes to the high priest, Ambalek, and he says to him, you know what, I've been on the run now for nearly a year, Saul's trying to kill me, 
And I'm tired of hiding out in Israel. He's, these guys are hunting him down. I mean, it's like deer season uh, for Saul. I mean, they're, they're tracking David everywhere. I mean, literally, and if they catch him, they're killing him. And so David says, could you imagine living under that pressure for a year? And you think you got it bad? And so he's been doing this junk for a year. He's ticked off. He's frustrated. So he, he takes matters into his own hands. Have you ever done that? He gets frustrated on waiting on God, and he takes matters into his own hand. Anybody ever made that stupid decision? And so he, he goes to the, get this now, this is what happens in the context. This is why you need to come to church, so we help you explain the Bible to you a little bit more. So he goes, this is all preceding what we're getting ready to read. And David goes to Amalek, the high priest, and he says, do you know in the Ark of the Covenant, you know, the sword that I cut off Goliath's head with, this is all in 2 Samuel. And so he says, so I need that sword. And, the, and he convinces and lies, Lee, to the high priest. Never lie to the preacher. You're going to have a bad day. I'm just telling you. So he lies to uh, the high priest, and he says, I need the sword back. So the high priest says, okay, he's supposed to be the new king, and God showed us that. So the Ambalek, the high priest, gives Dave, David the sword out of the Ark of the Covenant. He carries the sword that he killed Goliath's head with back to the Philistines, who Goliath was, you know, that was his tribe. He takes the sword to the king of the Philistines and he goes, I want to bring back your greatest warrior sword, but if you will receive this gift, I need for you to give me a safe haven because Saul and his bunch of thugs are not going to come into the, to the Philistines uh, city. So he said, I need you to give me a safe harbor from Saul and offer so, you know, if you put it in good Mississippi logic, we're all going, Bubba, that's a good deal. You know what? That makes sense. Does it not make sense? And how many times have we decided that what God's doing in our life just isn't the way we envisioned it? We don't like God's plan for our life. So you know what we do is we decide, I'm going to do it my way because I'm smarter than God. And so guess what happens? It don't work out the way you planned it, puppy. The Philistines get ticked off. They go, yeah, you're the dude that killed our giant. The king's probably going, that's my nephew, moron. And so they arrest David, and they put him in prison. Now, how's it working out for you? How many of you have totally screwed up your lives, have totally jacked up everything that's going on in your marriage, your family, and your kids, all because you're trying to make your life better without God? So finally, David begins to pray, and he asks God to get him out of the mess that he's created in his situation. And now, in all of this, you need to learn a lesson. And I wrote it down and underlined it in my notes. Make sure you write it down from the screen. <laughs> when you lie to the preacher and take things into your own hands, everyone gets mad at you. David's group around him get ticked off. They lose confidence in David. And listen to me this morning. I, I just want you to take this sidebar note here in this message. When you take matters into your own hands you're, and, you, and you totally jack everything up, 
Your spouse is going to lose confidence in you. Your kids are going to lose confidence in you. Your parents are going to lose confidence in you because you went off and did the wrong thing. You did what you felt like you wanted to do. And I'm just telling you, everybody's going to be mad at you when you leave God out of your planning. Pastors leave God out of their church ministries because they're trying to tell you all what you all want to hear. We don't lead, we don't have vision, we don't make changes because we don't want to tick anybody off. And what happens, you, you know, and I've been saying this for 20 years, and it's coming to prophecy. I remember when I used to say this stuff 20 years ago, people would go, it ain't going to happen. I guarantee you the church in America ain't going to die. And what I told you was, we were scared to make changes, we were scared to lead because y'all didn't like it you wanted to make sure that we still wore a suit and tie you wanted to have the same kind of church your mama had and what happened the young people have went to hell in the meantime the church has died you better wake up and you better be careful about having God and church your way because what David did is he messed up everything when he wasn't willing to follow what God was telling him to do so while in the cave of fear he finds himself in this cave. The Philistines don't want him. Saul's trying to kill him. And he finds a safe house where he worships the Lord. Now look at the screen. <laughs> I can't help saying it. Turn in your Bibles, 34, Psalms 34.8. You get to use your Bibles for real today. Pull it up on your phone. And we've got one verse that I want to read to you. It's probably a good thing. Now listen to this if you don't have your Bible with you this morning. Here's what David declares in his safe place. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. The psalmist proclaimed that God was his refuge and his rock. God never promises us ease and safety in this life, but he does promise to be a safe place for us. And in that safe place, we find wisdom. We find strength in tumultuous times that if we realize that if we listen to God, he's going to help us get through what we're, we're, what we're experiencing. So I want you to take out your notes this morning, and I'm going to say them slowly so you have time to write them down. But I want to share with you four takeaways from this text, and then we'll let you go. Maybe we'll have some music, maybe we won't, who knows. All right, I don't even know what we're going to have. Uh, but here's what I do know is that God wants to give you this word. Here's principle number one that I want you to take home with you on this weirdly weird day, okay? Uh, and so we're going to stay focused. Here's what we learn from finding the safe place in your life and mine. Principle number one, praise him. Write this down because this is key. Praise him even when you don't feel like it. Man, I've got to live that one out this week. <laughs> that's going to be so hard in staff meeting this week because today really sucks and uh, all this stuff is going on. But you praise him even when you don't 
feel like it. David says to this band of, of, uh, of guys that are with him, he's got an entourage that's sort of helping him fight off King Saul. He takes him into this cave, to this safe place. Everybody's in a bad mood. Everybody's, you know, like, David, we're not even sure we should be hanging out with you. Uh, everybody's got the wrong attitude. And David says, you know what? We're going to have church up in here in the cave today. And you know what they were doing. They're just like a lot of us. What happens? On most Sunday mornings, uh, what happens? I'm not in the mood to go to church today. And you turn to your spouse, and your spouse says, well, I ain't in the mood to go to church with you either. Uh, you know, you just had a big fight last night. And so what does the devil's logic do? The devil convinces you. You tell your kids, we're getting up early to go to church. And the kids, I don't want to go to church. I want to stay home and play video games because I have no personality. Uh, so all those kind of things are going on in your family and all the kind of arguments. And so you know what? You throw up your hands and you go, well, let's forget it then. We're not going to do as one dime of good because our attitude isn't right. Lie from hell. You go to church and you get your backside up and you go anyway because it has nothing to do with your attitude. You're going to meet with the God of the universe who sent his son to live and die for you, was nailed to a cross, overcame death, hell, and the grave, and arose again. Folks, get yourself up and you do your devotions. You do your hear journals and your prayer time when you don't feel like it. You go to church when you don't feel like it because why? You praise him no matter how you feel. And so David says, we're going to have church up here in the cave and see what God does for them. David says, enough of living in fear. I'm tired of feeling like my life is over. David says, I'm going to go back to the heart of worship. Somebody should write a song about that. Getting back to the heart. Okay. All right. Let me on. Someone write that down. All right. Uh, so these band of warriors, they're beat down. They're discouraged. And David says, in this weakest moments, we're going to learn a great lesson about how to find that safe place in your life and mine, is you praise him even when you don't feel like it. Now, stay open with your Bible here. Go back up to verse 1 of Psalms 34. Uh, I want to dig a little bit more into the text. So notice what happens as they begin their church service. They begin to worship and praise God even when they didn't feel like it in Psalms 34.1. This is so good. David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. David begins his service with his own personal testimony of praise. He says, I've come into the house. I don't care. And by the way, you don't have to have tenor set the mood for your worship and your music. You don't have to have the band play your favorite song. Uh, you don't have to have your style of music uh, that's playing. Amen, Tony? What you do is you come here to give glory and exalt God and it doesn't matter what the music's like. It doesn't even matter how poor the preaching is because I'll tell you what, God Almighty is in the house today. He will not be defeated. He is exalted. I don't care what the screens are doing. My God is here and I came to worship him. So it doesn't matter about our attitude. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. We're going to give him glory and we're going to praise him because he's worthy to be praised. Interestingly, in the, in the um, Hebrew here, when he says, and notice with me, I will bless the Lord in verse 1. And this is good. The word blessing is 
not what we think of it in that terminology. The word blessing is an active sort of a, we would call it in our terminology, a verb. So what he's saying is, is you come to God's house, you get alone with God in your quiet time every day and you're doing your hear journals and your prayer time, and you bless God. Well, what is he talking about, Neil? When, he tra- when you translate that out, it's different than what we read in English. He is saying to you and I, it has the idea of giving an, an offering to God. He is saying the same concept, and they all got it, because in the Old Testament, you went on the Sabbath, and you took your turtle doves, you took your sacrifice, and you offered it so the priest would make a sacrifice for your sins, and that's the only way that you got in touch with God. You brought your offering to bless God. And it's the same as you guys do with your tithes. God says, I don't need your money. And you know what you all do? And I've literally had people, maybe in this church, that have said, I don't like, Pastor Terry, what the church is doing with my money. And therefore, I don't like the decisions that certain people are making and they treat us somehow like that we're the government. Now, get this. Listen to me real quickly. And we're getting ready to give you four weeks of this stuff, so I'm, I'm trying to not get there, but we're going to go there for just a second. We're not the federal government. We're not in cahoots as a political organization trying to, to steal from you or anything else. Because here's what we do differently. is we get on our knees and we fast and pray. And we ask God Almighty to lead us the best we can. And even at times we still make stupid decisions and we still mess up because we're not infallible, we're not perfect, but we own it and we admit it and we're going to do our dead level best. And we've done it for over 20 years to make sure that we're accountable to you and we're accountable to God, but we're going to follow his leadership. And even when we get it wrong, he's going to overcome it by his grace and it's okay. Hang in there with us. Let's continue to go where God is leading. And so we give our offerings and our tithes not based on how we feel or whether we like something or whether we're not. We do it because why? We give our tithes and offerings because we come to bless God. We want to say thank you for giving me my life. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you for giving me my church. Thank you for giving me everything in the Word of God. Thank you for everything that you give me. So he says we come to bless God. And I think that's what we miss. You're not here to take in. You came here today to bless God and to give him glory because he's the one that deserves the glory. It's about him. It's not about you feeling good. It's not about what can I learn from this experience today. So David says, I come to bless God and and to honor him. He doesn't need my money. God says, I want 10% because I want and deserve your heart. You tithe and you worship to honor him and to bless him. Now, here's a great line that would really be good on the screens. So write this down. You need to praise and worship God, even when you don't feel like it, because this is how he releases himself to you. This is so good. Let me say that again. We need, you need to praise and worship God even when you don't feel like it because this is how he releases himself to you 
God will release the rest of his blessings on your finances when you put him first. He will release his spirit to comfort you and bless you and take care of him, you when you praise him first. You heard testimonies this past month of families that were walking through deep waters that continue to stay at Connect Church and how God spoke to them through that season. You heard testimonies of their permission of a school teacher who's just having a bad year and said that she heard the message, a simple message that she's known all of her life, but it, she heard it maybe for the first time the way that God wanted to get it across to her. And, and the message she got out of that sermon that day on the doctrine of peace is that I don't pray peace into my life. And the reason I don't have peace is because I don't pray peace over the chaos that's going on and I keep just trying to figure it out and do the best I can with it instead of putting Jesus into my chaos. Folks, you come to church so that you can bless God and as you bless God, he reciprocates by giving you truth and help in your life. Here's what Dr. Gerald Wilkins says in his exegetical commentary on this verse. And again, write this down, what's on the screen. Uh, I'm getting sick of saying that. By participating in the blessing of God, humans are aligning themselves with the purpose and plans of the deity. Again, let me say that because this is so good. This is why we bless God. By participating in the blessing of God, corporate worship, private worship, Humans are aligning themselves with the purpose and the plans of the deity. You know what that teacher learned that Sunday? And this is a big lesson. When you come and you honor God with your offerings, with your worship, and you bless him, you know what she learned that day? Life's not about her. She realized I don't have to be a perfect teacher. I don't have to have a perfect life. I would rather have peace with God. I would rather bring Jesus into my chaos. And even if my year doesn't go great, even if my family doesn't go great, I still have Jesus. She aligned her life with God's purpose and plans. And by the way, God's purpose and plans for your life in 23 are way better than yours. What we're doing by worshiping and blessing him is we're aligning ourselves. And I'm telling you, you're going to save yourself a boatload of frustration by aligning yourself with him today and realizing that, that he wants to bless you and take you through all this process. So, so that's what God does in our lives. And I'm just telling you, it blesses, it, it works. Principle number two is we ask God for his help. We ask God for his help. David finally got tired of trying to handle everything for himself. If you want to know how to find that safe place in your life, then you ask God for his help. David realized that the problems going on of Saul trying to kill him was way too big for himself. God deserves our obedience and our surrender. And so he says to you and I, listen, I overcame death, hell, and the grave on the cross. I think I can handle the mess it's going to happen to your life in 23. Ask me for help. Let's go to verse 4 in our text. David just simply prays in that safe place in the cave. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all 
my fears. Somebody, you want to underline that in your Bible today? Highlight that in your app on your phone. And, and, and I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. Ladies and gentlemen, I know this is going to come as a huge shock. This is going to be profound. This is going to be worth the money of coming here today. Ask God for help. <laughs> Ask God for help. How many times do we continually mess up our lives because we're not willing to go to God and just say, man, here's what's going on. We pour out our cares and our burdens to him. And God in that safe place, in that safe place, here's what he's going to do. This is what he does in my life. He gives me insight and he gives me wisdom and he helps Terry Pierce get out of the way. I don't know if you've understood this or not, but if, you've been, if I've been your pastor for 21 years, you realize that there's times where Terry Pierce gets in the way. It, it, and I guarantee you, I'm not the only one uh, that has that problem. I guarantee you, your biggest, listen to me this morning. All right, if I haven't ticked you off, let me try here. Your biggest problem in 23 is not going to be Biden. It's not going to be the stupid technology. It's not going to be uh, whatever you think is going to go wrong in your life. You know what the biggest problem in 23 for you is going to be? It's you. It's you. This morning, I don't know what God's fixing to do. Okay. Forget the manuscript. I don't know why today's like it is. I'm sweating. I'm ticked off. I'm frustrated. This morning, the devil, I don't know what, he just unleashed all hell in my mind. First day of the year, you got to be kidding me. 22 sucked bad enough, man. I, we got to do better in 23. Man, what's going on? Now this morning, I had so many cool things that I wanted to share with you guys today. But it just hit me. I have no flipping idea what's fixing to happen in 23. I know where God's leading our church. I know what we got to do. I know we need to hire. I need to know where we need to go. And I don't see how we're going to get there. Honestly, I don't. If left God intervenes, we're not going to hire the people we need. I'm just telling you the devil. But I know this. It's got to be good. For the devil to cause this much chaos in my personal life this morning, in this house, in this building, I'm telling you, God is fixing to give us a taste of heaven. We're going to see his glory, and we're not going to back off, and we're not going to quit, and we will not be defeated because my God overcomes. We're going to ask God for his help, and we're going to rest in his glory. Now, here's what we're going to do this morning. Forget the rest of the outline. Here's what we're going to do. I got two more points. Takes about another 15 minutes, but y'all are going to handle it. Here's what we're going to do this morning. I want you to shout out this morning. And I want you to just declare, what is your favorite part of who God is? We're going to bless God this morning. We're going to show you what it's like to have a safe place. I want you to just tell me this morning. Let's just be audience participation this morning. We don't need technology for that. What is your favorite characteristic of God, who he is? Somebody just tell me this morning, what is your favorite characteristic of God? He is patience. Yeah, I, I, hang on just a second. Um, thank you for bringing that one up, Miss Marie, because I have no patience right now. And so, uh, but uh, 
Oh, isn't that good? You see, this is exactly why you need to be in church. Because the last thing I want to hear is Granny telling me, patience. Seriously? That's what you come up with? Holiness, love, anything else? Now Granny comes up with patience. Ah, thanks, Granny. But you know, I needed to hear that. Because that's who my God is. And you know why I need to hear that? Because when I don't have patience, and I, don't, I want things my way, do you know how many times God has been patient with me? Do you know how many times I've screwed up stuff, and yet God still loves me, Stanley? God's still patient. Man, praise God Almighty. The one word I don't want to hear is the very word I need to hear, and I'm so thankful, and I bless God because I'm so thankful that he is patient with me. Man. Praise and worship him. All right, somebody else over here. You were patient waiting. Who else said something else? His grace. Wow. His grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Ain't none of us. Ain't none of us in this room. I don't care how much you think of yourself. Ain't none of us deserve to be in this house today. As I was driving back from Illinois yesterday with my parents and just driving through and I, we had a funeral that was back in my hometown and I got to see a bunch of my old classmates I hadn't saw since 83 and uh, man, they looked old. Uh, anyway, <laughs> and when I introduced myself to one of them, they go, no way, what happened to you? Anyway, and, uh, and I got to thinking, but so many of them are living outside the, 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 the blessings of God and they're on their way to hell and, and I just got to thinking, oh my, thank for the grace of God that just took that little kid from Waltonville, Illinois and that little podunk town and that little bitty old podunk church that had all kind of King James only problems and all that stuff. But look what God has done in my life. His amazing grace. Oh man, bless God. Thank you that you're even here today because none of us deserve to be here. Somebody else real quickly. Let's go. Some more. His what? His faithfulness. God has never given up on us. I don't care what goes wrong. God is faithful. You need to remember that in 23. What else? His unconditional love. Y'all keep looking. Somebody write a country song about this. Y'all keep looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> That's not in my notes. <laughs> That's not in my notes. But you know, that is such a ter terrible truth lying in that country music song because that's exactly what we do. There's going to be teenagers. They're going to look for love in the wrong places and think that some guy or some girl is going to make them happy. And I'm telling you, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. There's only one person who unconditionally loves you as you are. You're made in his image. You don't have to go through all of the identity issues. You don't have to try to figure out and be somebody that you're not. Let me tell you something. You are wonderfully and marvelously made in God's image. And it's high time that you let him love on you. The only love you need in your life is that God loves you. Game changer. Would you stand with me this morning? And we're going to do it this way. I want us just to, to just take a moment of silence. And maybe we just needed to do this. And I want you to just worship God in your own private way this morning. And I want to remind you that there is hope. When you see God in his glory and you bless him, he just brings hope into your life. David would go on to say, and I just want you to keep your heads bowed, and I want you to worship. I want you to just tell God right now while I'm talking, I want you to be praying this into your life. God, thank you for your patience. Thank you for your hope. Whatever one that wasn't mentioned, God, your holiness. 
And here's what he says in Psalms 34, 5, and 6. To those who look to him, they're radiant, and their faces will never be ashamed. The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. David prayed that, and you go home and read it this afternoon. David and the men gained hope that day in their safe place. And finally, this morning, as you're praying, here's what God's going to do for you. He's going to help you realize that your security, everything you've been looking for, teenager, young person, America, all of this crazy chaos that's going on in our country today, all of this, everybody trying to figure out, trying to figure out who they are and what they're supposed to be doing, the security that our country needs, the security that you need in your life, it's found in your safe place, and his name is Jesus. And David proclaimed, and he said, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. I'm sorry. I want you to look at me for just a second this morning. Verse 7 was to be our walkout verse. And the angel of the Lord encamps around those. So what David says, get this visual in your mind as we wrap all this up. If you could pull the roof off of this building here this morning. And this is how I was going to close anyway, but man, I didn't have any idea that it was going to be like this. And this is a statement that's in my manuscript. I've got it printed out, you can read it. And I was, say, I was going to say to you guys, if we could pull the roof off this place, you have no idea how much the demons of hell are trying to distract us and to distract you. And I was going to call the band out and the musicians and the team out, and I was going to just sort of blister everybody one more time and say, listen, you've got to quit making excuses. You've got to quit trying to, well, my kid needs to be fed or, you know, whatever, you know, I need to be back here doing other stuff. Folks, we need our backsides in the pews, in the chairs, and we need to be undistracted because I'm telling you the devil's number one goal has been and will be in 23 is to keep you from seeing the glory of God. To keep you from seeing the glory of God. And when David and the men went to their safe place, no phones, no tech, no distractions, and they told God, about their fears. And David said when they looked up in verse 7, the angels of the army, and there's debate in scholarship, and those that are wrong miss it, but I believe, and those that are right, that this was literally God himself, that was the angel of the army, that God himself showed up, and he showed David, and he showed those other guys, God himself showed up in the cave, and he said, guys, he said, I know Saul's trying to kill you, I know the Philistines hate you, don't take matters into your own hand, I got you, I'm with you, I will protect you, the angel of the armies of God watches over us, I don't care what happens in 23. My God's got me. My God's got us. Let us bless him and worship him and praise him. Are you ready for what comes? Run to your safe place. Run to your safe place this year. And let's bless God and let him show you your glory. Take us home, man.
Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.